0: I'm Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind. I'm honored to welcome our guest today, Patricio Navia. He is professor in the Center for Latin American and Caribbean Studies at New York University and also professor of political science at Universidad Diego Portales in Chile. It's an honor to welcome you. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Uh, Just to start, because we are in the midst of this once-in-a-century pandemic, what is the status of the pandemic in Chile right now?
1: Well, as many other Latin American countries, Chile was hit hard um, over the winter, um, your summer. Um, and, uh, but things are a bit better now, but we're also entering a second wave in the middle uh, of the summer with fewer deaths. Um, contrary to the U.S., Chile has uh, begun vaccinations a, a bit more quickly. Uh, so things are looking a bit better now as the government is rolling out rather effectively the new vaccination
0: campaign you and your country had the distinct opportunity to vote amidst this pandemic um, for constitutional reform. And that is what I hope to be the focus of our conversation today. The country voted in favor of moving forward with a constitutional overhaul in the midst of the pandemic, in the aftermath of Uh, protests for equity over the last two years. What is the progress of the constitutional changes since that decisive vote was taken? Yes. So the
1: plebiscite to start a new constitutional process was delayed from April 2020 to October 2020 because of the pandemic. Uh, We voted in April in in October, that is, in-person voting, so no absentee voting. People had to show up on the voting day to vote. and um, we have a slightly higher than average participation with over 50% of people participating. 80% of those voted in favor of starting a new constitutional process, and the election for the constitutional convention will take place now in April 2021. So Uh, 155 members will be elected uh, from the entire country and they will be in charge of drafting a new constitution that will then be put to a vote in mid-2022.
0: So what are the deliberations occurring now in the interim um, before that vote will take place?
1: Well, different people are discussing different things. For the most part, most Chileans tend to confuse the constitution with the bill of rights. So in the streets, among families, in the public arenas, in social networks, people talk about the rights they want the new constitution to include. Uh, people who are a bit more experts on constitutional issues are discussing whether Chile will retain a presidential system, whether we will have a unicameral or a bicameral legislature, the powers and attributions of the constitutional tribunal, and uh, so on and so forth. So the, the, the things that are normally more associated with constitutions. But for the general public, the
0: main concern is what rights the Constitution will guarantee. Chileans are seeking economic rights. Um, They are seeking equity, and they want the new Constitution to guarantee certain standards of living, correct?
1: That's correct. As in most other Latin American countries uh, in Chile, people also think that the quality of life can be guaranteed in a constitution. So people are demanding that the constitution grants them the right to housing, the right to healthcare, the right to education, a number of other rights, and that the constitution also guarantees that there will not be inequality or that there will be less um, inequality. Unfortunately, uh, guaranteeing those things and making sure that inequality doesn't exist, it's not as simple to do And thus just putting those things into the Constitution, as they are in many uh, Latin American constitutions, will not necessarily bring about the rights people want.
0: So as we anticipate the vote on the constitutional reform, that is the revised document, who are the competing stakeholders uh, seeking to be represented? And what statutorily um, is the aspiration of people to integrate into the Constitution? Well, we're going to have an election for the
1: members of the Constitutional Convention, and that will take place on April 11th. Uh, Political parties and independents are running. We have a record number of candidates. Um, We're using exactly the same proportional representation system that we have for chamber of deputies elections to elect the members of the Constitutional Convention. So we still don't know who will get elected, but we have a proportional representation system. There will be some members from political parties and a few members uh, that we run as independents. We also have now reserved seats, guaranteed seats for indigenous minorities. So there will be 17, one seven uh, different seats um, that will go to candidates from different ethnic minority groups, uh, indigenous, um, original minority groups um, in Chile that will also have representation. <clears throat> An additional uh, rule is that half of the members elected will need to be women. <clears throat> so we're going to have a gender parity requirement uh, in the constitution. All those provisions don't make it difficult to anticipate who will actually get elected into the constitutional assembly.
0: It sounds as though there will be competing ideas. Uh, and the way that you are considering it is in the ideal spirit of deliberative processes. Uh, this is a laboratory of democracy. There is constant fear from the United States perspective about constitutional conventions. They they have not happened often, as you know, either in states or federally. Though the system that is moving forward in Chile is not subject to being hijacked in the way that Americans, or at least some Americans, fear that a constitutional convention would be, should that uh, have been undertaken in the past?
1: Well, yes and no. We still don't know how it will work. The rules for the constitutional convention require that the first decisions of the convention need to be approved by a two-thirds majority rule. So we still don't know what the composition of the convention will be, and we don't know whether the two-thirds majority rule um, will, in fact, kind of a filibuster condition, kind, um, will in fact uh, be um, a detriment for a majority to impose its views or whether it's going to be too high of a threshold for anything to be agreed upon. Um, my expectation is that precisely we are going, because we're going to have a two-thirds majority requirement in the Constitution, the Constitution will likely um, have lots of things that different people want. So it's going to be kind of a Christmas tree with little presents for everyone because the two-thirds requirement will generate incentives for everyone to put their most pr- favoured. Um, components into the Constitution as a condition for them to vote uh, in favor of the new constitutional text. So my fear is that the new Constitution might have way too many things into it
0: that will make it difficult uh, later on to actually implement. Of those Christmas presents, which are the most substantive? So of the things that are being espoused and advocated for in revising the text, which are the most significant that would structurally improve people's lives or change people's lives in Chile?
1: Well, it depends on who you talk to, right? Different people have different views as to what's more important. Uh, Some people might want to say, well, we need to make sure that the Constitution grants people the right to housing. Other people will say, well, we need to nationalize water rights so that everyone has access to water. Other people will say we need to guarantee a woman's right to choose, while some evangelicals um, might say we need to guarantee the right to protect the life of the unborn. Uh, the problem is that in Chile, like any other country in the world, different people have different views as to how society should be structured and how society should be organized. I'm not so sure that by deliberating, we will come to an agreement. In fact, many people have very fixated views on what they think is best, and I don't think they will change their views Um, if they deliberate, even if they, they they have to deliberate in
0: a constitutional convention setting. So there are some significant challenges ahead. Holistically speaking, you describe again those different disparate interests in social issues or economic issues. But of course, the ghost of Pinochet is in the backdrop of any plebiscite, because it is a plebiscite that ousted him. Um, And it is a constitution that actually lived on um, and was not rewritten after his rule. So how much of the pressure points of of these changes is at all hoping to... um, Deviate from um, th- that authoritarian regime, or provide a an avenue for economic freedom and independence from an original constitution which had been adopted when Pinochet was still in power.
1: Right. So, in order in order to understand Chile, we need to think of Chile as. Uh, Luke Skywalker from Star Wars, and Pinochet is like Darth Vader, right? So the father of today's Chile. Many of the things that uh, Pinochet did were put into the constitution, including the market-friendly economy that is in place in Chile today. Um, So for many people, uh, the need to write a constitution is to put behind the Pinochet legacy, but they wanna keep many of the things that Pinochet put in place. For many other people, they also want to eliminate those market-friendly provisions that were put in place in Pinochet's constitution. We still don't know how things will come out. But if you allow me a different metaphor, Pinochet is like the, the father who built the house. And now the children that have grown up want to tear down the house and build a new one because the house reminds them of, of the um, abusive father. Um, the big question is whether the new house will have the good features of the old house or whether they will be able to agree on what features the new house will have.
0: That Pinochet's authoritarianism has lived on, it's lived on to inhibit people's economic security.
1: Well, Chile's levels of poverty are now lower than ever before in Chile's history. So, under Pinochet's economic model, Chile made significant progress in reducing poverty. Chile is now among one of the most developed countries in Latin America, and even levels of inequality have declined substantially from the mid 50s in the Gini coefficient to 0.44 today. So the situation of Chileans, economic conditions have improved for everyone. Um, levels of inequality are now lower in Chile than they were in 1990 when the dictatorship ended, as opposed to say the US where inequality keeps on rising, inequality in Chile has actually declined. So people do have expectations about improving their quality of life, but Chile right before the pandemic was going through its best moment in terms of economic development, poverty reduction, and even inequality reduction. So, it, it, I think it's a mistake to claim that um, Chileans were suffering from the uh, economic policies of the dictatorship. If anything, um, the economic, the capitalist economic policies, the market friendly economic policies of the dictatorship set the basis for the rapid economic development that Chile experienced over the
0: past 30 years. The fact remains that there was. Significant protest um, and I just wanted you to contextualize it a little bit more specifically, because um, there is clearly maybe a generational difference in um, who is benefiting from the economic gains that you just described, but there seem to be a cohort of people, perhaps the younger generation, Gen Z or millennials. Who would not agree that the assessment you just articulated reflects their quality of life, um, and 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 that and that has been the case maybe for the last several years?
1: Right. Well, you can fight with the data, right? So the data is there. It is true though that there were significant, and, and the data shows that poverty declined, and inequality declined, and the quality of life is now better than than ever before, but. It is clear that people protested. Uh, In my view, those protests are about expectations. People have expectations that life should be much better for them. And they see, and they were seeing this before uh, the pandemic hit, that the economic conditions were not improving fast enough. So in a sense, they were feeling that they were missing the train, that the train was leaving, and they weren't able to get on the train um, because the price of copper Chile's main export was declining and economic growth in the past few years was also declining. So people perceived that they were not going to be better off than their parents were. Um, so they had the expectation that the country should do much better, but they were perceiving that the country was not moving forward as fast as they expected um, it to uh, move forward. So there is a mismatch between the expectations and the reality which has been exacerbated uh, by the pandemic. Chile's economy has declined substantially in 2020 and um, we'll have to see what's going to happen in 2021. So in fact, there is discontent. People have expectations and they are putting their faith that the new constitution will fix the situation. The challenge and the concern is that just by putting things into the constitution, you don't necessarily produce the economic conditions for past economic growth that can help help to continue alleviate poverty and keep on reducing inequality and expanding opportunities for all.
0: If you were to ask most Chileans in, in terms of public opinion, what is their reaction to the back-to-back presidencies um, of um, Bachelet and Piñera? Uh, the fact that the two most recent leaders um, served a second term after their first term and that there has not been shall we say diversity in the presidency for well
1: people want or in polls people say that they want new faces they want change but then they elected Bachelet in 2006, then they elected Pinera in 2010, then they elected Bachelet again in 2014 and Pinera in 2018. So. Um, they say something, but a majority of those who vote ended up voting for a Bachelet-Pinera, Bachelet-Pinera uh, set of administrations. So um, neither Bachelet nor Pinera are running in in late 2021 for the new term that begins in 2022. So there will certainly now be some... Um, change in terms of the faces but Bachelet was a left-wing candidate she was a member of the socialist party Piñera was a right-wing candidate uh, so there was alternation in power between the left and right left and right um, we will probably have in 2022 a president that represents either Bachelet's coalition or Piñera's multi-party coalition um, so there will be alternation in faces But probably the same two coalitions that have governed Chile, like the Republican and Democratic Party in the U.S., will continue to govern Chile after 2022.
0: Given the rise of authoritarianism around the globe, is there at all concern that you have that the sympathizers, you know, part of Piñera's coalition has been, has included people who were sympathetic to or sympathetic with Pinochet, but are you at all concerned moving towards this next election that, that there will be a coalition that forms, that is more authoritarian, that revives some of the, the, the tolerance for or acceptance of authoritarianism?
1: Well, we do have part of the right in Chile is still... Uh, sympathetic to Pinochet, and they still do not acknowledge, do not accept that there were massive human rights violations under the Pinochet uh, military dictatorship. So we do have that problem. Fortunately, most Chileans are far more moderate. So they vote for moderate left-wing and right-wing candidates. But in Chile, as in other countries, we have extremists on the left and on the right that favor all kinds of um, authoritarianism. We have a political party in Chile on the far left that supports the North Korean uh, government, just as we have candidates on the far right of the spectrum that still defends Pinochet and um, do not acknowledge that there were violations to human rights under Pinochet. But the most likely um, or the most likely winners of the 2021 presidential election are going to be moderates, either right-wing or left-wing moderates.
0: Professor in the Center for Latin American and Caribbean Studies at New York University and Political Scientist at Universidad Diego Portales. Professor Patricio Navia, thank you so much for your insight today. Thank you for having me.